Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Even though a polygraph is not 100% accurate, how do you go about believing your addict partner is disclosing everything without one? So a polygraph measures stress, not honesty. So I just heard another one about this person um, passed, and it's a longer story, but they shouldn't have, and but they passed, and people were believing that. And the anyway, so if you want to measure someone's stress, then get a polygraph. Most polygraphers are not trained to work with the mental health. Um, the people that are actually doing a really good job, and you can listen to, um, uh, I think it was Matt Wheeler or Debbie McRae did one family strategies. They actually have a process and it's very specific and it like that's well done and then fine with a polygraph but um the other thing is disclosing everything that is not what a disclosure is is disclosing everything because you know that could i mean if if the addict forgets one thing which they can do um then it's not truthful and then they would also maybe fail the polygraph so with a polygraph if you insist on do it there's no protocol there's no research there's there's nothing so and we're not trained. Us uh, CSATs no. are not trained in no. the use of. No, when to do them, how to do them. There's a, a number of questions like, is this, is every, the polygraph organization reached out to me because apparently they heard I was not a, uh, not a fan. And um, uh, uh, they were trying to convince me and the research they sent me only reinforced, you know, um, my research that you know, there isn't protocol. Not everybody is part of the organization. Not every polygrapher is trained. If you get some police officer who is doing this as a side gig, they have no clue from a mental health standpoint, but mm -hmm. the polygraph organization um, d deemed it unethical to ask certain questions like, you know, is everything you say honest on, on this? Guess what? One of the questions that is frequently asked by betrayed partners, did you say, is everything here? Is this everything? And is it all honest? Those are two questions that they don't even want you to ask. So, so I would challenge you to look at is the actions of your addict showing you that you're, that this person is moving forward? Do you see that there are changes um, in that? That would be, so that I'm going to shut up because that's one of my, I could go on and on. I got a lot of research. It's okay, on Tammy, take a breath. Um, I just wanted to say something at the last half of the question, which is you will never believe that everything has been disclosed. I have never worked with a partner yet who said, oh, now I know everything. Thank goodness. You're mm -hmm. always going to worry. This is sort of like mm, going through every magazine, going through everything, you know, trying to get every single, single thing, you know, detective work. I understand completely. You're trying to find out what is the bottom line? When am I safe? What do I not know? Can I stay? I get all of this. But if you think that there's some guarantee that we are not holding something back or not, you may never know. And there is no polygraph in the world and no disclosure in the world that guarantees you that you're getting what you're looking for, which is the absolute truth. So I think that that's, that's not the best question to ask. What I would say, it's my hope that they're saying it all, my, my 
I believe that we're going to move forward. If I find more stuff, it's not going to be a good thing for us. Um, and I might think it already in advance. What if there is more? How am I going to deal with that? And what actions am I going to take? Set boundaries and all that stuff. But I don't know that you'll ever fully believe that. I don't even think I've met any partner who fully believes that's it. You know, there's always something in their head. And that's how it goes. You know, when you've been betrayed, when you've been cheated on, when you lost trust, it isn't like you're going to have this piece of paper read and you're going to say, oh, okay, now I have trust back. Um, it's more about behavior. And um, yeah. So, and by the way, in the lingerie question and in this one, I don't, the, what I believe is action. What I believe is, oh, they're going to th three meetings a week and they are also going to the support groups and they took one of the courses at Seeking Integrity. Oh, and they have a sponsor. That is what makes me feel, I don't know whether they're disclosing everything, but I see them really working in the process to be a better person. And that's what matters, actually. The honesty, the integrity, the, the, the not lying, you knowing what's going on in your life, avoiding the gaslighting. You know, 80% of what's really hard in your partners is the lying, the, the lack of intimacy, the, you know, all of that. The sex is just like the tip of the iceberg, but you have a whole bunch of other stuff that isn't happening in your relationships too that you're not happy about. So anyway, there are no guarantees anywhere. Sorry. My next question, or the next question, my mother and mesh boyfriend wait, is very obsessed wait, wait, with Wait, 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 Kami, I'm so, so sorry. I have to say one more thing. Oh. You may have the perfect disclosure and then you're act, have to connect out the next day. So what did the disclosure really mean if this person isn't sober and they're still doing it? That means you have another disclosure. What? And then you have another. It's just, yeah. Anyway, I had to say that, Tammy, we can act out the next day and you think, well, I've gotten it all and you know, there's more, but it wasn't, you didn't or know they can it. forget something like, like it is, there are cases where something, but then if you're working with qualified professionals, there's a plan for it. If something comes up, like somebody has a memory about something that should be on a disclosure, you know, there's a process for doing that. If you're working with qualified professionals, you know, th there's a plan. So it, but it's not about the polygraph in my opinion. Okay. So next question, my mother and mesh boyfriend is very obsessed with his niece. He is always showering, showering her with affection hugging her and carrying her. She is too. He pays more attention and love than he gives to me. Nothing inappropriate, but it still seems strange to me. Any idea why? Does it have to do with how his mom enmeshed with him? Thank you. Oh, so, to, so I, here's where I went. I was like, she is safe. She's two, you know, the, like, you know, she's going to adore him and give him a, it's like, no offense, and I'm not saying a child is like a pet, but it's like there, there's little risk with a two-year-old. You know, with you, there is connection and there's like fear and all of these things. You can hurt them. A two-year-old can have a tantrum, you know, but they get over it and will still, you know, get toted around and, you know, give them affection. So, so to me, it's like there's little risk. So this does not, I, I don't know if it's inappropriate. Um, this feels like he has found somebody to shower affection on. Um, that um, is, it's like the unconditional love and there's risk with you. So, um, so I can see why it would feel strange to you because like, you're going like, why aren't you doing that with me? You know, I say the same, I said the same thing with our previous dog. I said to my husband, you spend more time, you know, paying attention to him. Guess what? We have a new dog and the dog is more mine. Guess what? I spend more time petting my dog than I do petting my husband. So, you know, like there's just a safety you with petting that. your so, husband. Like I know, but I do. I pet, I pat him. I should say pat uh -huh. him. I pet the dog, but. Okay. 
It's, um, we've been married a long time. What, I, what can I yes, say? But anyway, yeah. yeah, to me, it was just more like, it's really, it's the child is so, you know, like, it's just, there's not the, a level of vulnerability that is with you. Um, well, one of the things Tammy said, I just want to um, touch on, which is uh, dogs are always happy to see you. You never do anything wrong. They're never disappointed in you. They're never mad about what happened this morning. You know, it doesn't matter. They love you no matter what. And that isn't a relationship. It, I mean, it is a relationship, but it's a relationship where you're always adored. And that animal doesn't have the memory or the feelings to tell you when they're upset or when they're angry. Or So it's not really a shared relationship. It's a relationship where I get everything and they get fed. But it's not a shared emotional relationship in that way where they are saying, I didn't like that. In other words, you're always getting positive feedback from your dog. Um, but I wanted to say something about Tammy, you brought it up for me. So Tammy knows I went to see a dear, dear friend um, who's in her guess, 70s or something. Really one of my, it's like a mom to me. And I was there for a little bit for during the weekend and someone, she just got a two month old little dog and oh my God. This little dog is just like, oh my God, just, I can't have enough words for how cute it was. And I went to see my friend and I love her. We went to dinner and all that. But when I was at her house, all I did was play with the dog. That's all I did because it was so cute and it was so adorable. And I didn't, so I didn't feel like I was acting out with a dog or repeating. I just thought this is a little piece of joy that I don't have in my life, which is this, you know, this beautiful little thing and i don't know if you have children or if he gets to experience this in other places or maybe your children are grown but i gotta tell you picking up a two-year-old as long as they don't poop, poop in your arms or scream what could be better so i really don't think especially if you said there's nothing inappropriate let him have it lord knows i'd rather he was playing with his niece than you know looking for pleasure elsewhere meaning he's getting loved he's getting distracted now the question is in our relationships kind of like the dog when that child becomes 17 or 15 and they start to become their own person and all of a sudden they don't adore and we're not the most wonderful, can we love them then too? And that's the real question about our own personal growth. But, you know, uh, now I might say to him, gee, I feel like you go away a little bit when, you know, is there, can we stay connected? Talk to him, tell him. I wouldn't tell him it's strange and it reminds him of his enmeshed mother. Um, but I would say, pardon me, I miss you, you know, how can we, whatever that is. But to me, this is something to celebrate. I mean, yeah. Although, and can the, the, can you play with the two-year-old too? Like, is there stuff that you guys can do together with the two-year-old? And, you know, I mean, I, like, I don't know what your future is. I don't know what, if you're planning a future together, but, um, and, and meshment is so emotional, like, um, and all consuming. Um, uh, but, you know, kiddos, deserve to get just love so yeah and maternal enmeshment doesn't play out with a two-year-old it plays out with you you know i was not my mother wasn't a child when i well she kind of was but she wasn't the child and i was the adult physically and so i you know i i don't know i think he's j just loving that kid um and i would focus on that so the next question, my partner is in recovery and during our weekly check-in at times, he has asked me to check in as well. Great. I have not been unfaithful, but he has always been distrustful. I am highly triggered when he turns around and asks if I have any contacts with men. Oh, that's a different kind of check-in. I get pretty worked up and has caused some arguments. How can I respond when he does this or 
expresses distrust. It infuriates me. Okay. That does not sound like, like, I don't know what the check-in is, but that is not like a Thanos check-in. So I'm going to put the the thing for Thanos in the, in the, um, because like a check-in, like a Thanos is like, you're talking about like, you know, here's what I'm, you know, I'm stressed out about this today. Like I'm going to have a busy day at work or like, oh, I got, you know, 18 meetings or whatever, you know, it's not this uh, to me. So what are your thoughts, Dr. Rob? Well, what Tammy's talking about is a situation where you both agree to take 45 minutes or an hour every third night or every night or whatever it is. And then you share what's going on with you and they share what's going on with them. And you kind of have an exchange about if you hurt each other. Um, this is when you might sit down and talk about the addiction piece and have your feeling about it and all of that. But um, this particular question, I when this comes up, I would say, I'm not talking about this and I don't want to hear yeah. about this anymore. And I would set a boundary. This is a boundary, which is this makes me feel really uncomfortable. I don't like your jealousy. I think you're, I don't know what it is for you. My sense is he's projecting onto you what he's, you know. Anyway, I can have lots of psychological babble about it, but the bottom line is I would never, it would not, this would not be acceptable to me. And, um, and I, you said, I get pretty worked up and it's caused arguments. I'd be worked up too. Um, so I really think that this is a boundary issue. And I think it is perfectly fine for you to say, this has not happened. You know, this hasn't happened. And I'm sorry, it makes you crazy. But when you hear silence, when you bring it up, that's because I'm not going to talk about this anymore. And then you have to stay there um, because he'll find all kinds of ways. Well, what about this? What about this? Told you, I don't want to talk about that. Um, does that mean you're doing it? Does that mean you're having it? You don't want to talk about it? Go see your therapist. Not my problem. So I would put up a boundary because it makes you uncomfortable and there's nothing you can do about it. And then it makes you act in ways that feel bad about you. So set the boundary so you don't end up in that situation. Uh, and if he gets really crazy with it, go take a walk. Yes. So I would invite you, like, it doesn't sound like you're using a structured check-in. Thanos is just one of them. I can't find fine debbie mccray has talked about fine and i can't find it right now so um but if you want that information email me tammy t-a-m-i at seeking integrity and i'll i'll dig that out for you too but i recommend fanos a lot it's feelings affirmations and appreciation needs ownership struggles and sobriety that's and you guys can sh share you know for you it'd be struggles like you know okay i you know i didn't get to do my walk today and you know i didn't get to take care of myself so my lack of self-care is a struggle today. I'm making this up, but, um, but what he's, and it's, you're volunteering the information. It isn't an inquisition. How's that? Okay. Next question. And I, I just put, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just put a, how to reach you, Tammy, because oh, I don't really, when we talk about resources, Tammy makes referrals to therapists. She's been in this field a long time, helping with training them. Um, she knows treatment centers. She knows the books. She knows the groups. Tammy is an all-purpose resource support. And if you have, you are, I'm going to get a T-shirt I mean, that says that. Uh, all a s well, all-purpose anyway, research. There are very few people yeah. I know who are as willing to give of themselves and also has so many good answers. So write Tammy. You want to know about treatment. You want to know about treatment centers. You want to know about therapy. Um, she'll, when we don't get kickbacks from therapists, we just refer to the people that we trust. And there are a lot of therapists out there, but you've heard me say this before, about 80% of them are batshit, are not the best at their job. Yeah, so, they could benefit from some personal work. So, <laughs> okay. 
So next question, betrayed partner here. Initial D-Day was four years ago. I've been initial D-Day. That means there was more. I've been working on my recovery for a little over a year. Work groups, drop-in videos, articles, et cetera. My SAPA is maybe five days sober, but in denial at the depth of my pain and problem claiming he has been attempting recovery this whole time. Over the last year, I found three cell phones and a tablet amongst numerous other ways he acted out. His mom passed in July and his 16 year old daughter is troubled to say the least and abusive to both of us. She has been had a difficult year and I do want to acknowledge that. He has a CSAT and, and is trying, but I think his shame is so strong. He dissociates and forgets things like our daily check-ins or falls asleep during webinars. He is often not where he says he's going to be, but I also check in on him a lot. He has never been honest with me about um, acting out, oftentimes not even when I catch him red-handed. We are constantly arguing about little things, but I think it really comes down to rigorous, oh, I suspect I, um, honesty and respect. I'm going to uh, hang on, there's more. Um, uh, rigorous honesty and respect. This AM, he said he was in the bathroom, but he had gone a really long time. And when I went in the house, I could hear groaning in the bedroom. Okay, okay. I flipped out. We don't, I yeah. don't need to hear any more about okay. this to respond, okay. do you think? No, I feel... So yeah. um, this is why we run a treatment center. Yes. I get tired of hearing trying. I'm trying. That's such a... That's, it, it is action. I'll and show them you, trying. Yeah. In a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, you know, he, yeah, he's not doing anything to make you feel safe. I think the part where it was like, um, uh, you, that you're so upset and, and I'm going like, to me, it's like, what do you need for healthy? Oh, you were checking in on him all the time too. You know, it's bad. You know, he's still acting out. You like he's maybe got five days abstinent. I doubt it. Actually, you caught him. So, so it's like one of those things where he's got zero, he's in active addiction. If he goes a day or two without doing something, that's just the cycle of his addiction. And I doubt he goes a day or two, but it doesn't really matter. It's not how often to me, this is someone who actually really super needs seeking integrity treatment program where we're going to address not only his, you know, his problematic behavior, but all of those lies, he's lying to himself. He's lying to you. He's hurting you. So I'm going to go to what do you need to do to take care of you? Your healthy boundaries are for your safety and taking the focus off of him, you know, but like Dr. Rob started out earlier, it's like, what do you need to do to take care of you? And if you set up healthy boundaries, sometimes that when an addict starts pushing up against that, then they're willing to actually do something different. So I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. And we're unfortunately at that time, Tammy, but I want to say in your, in this, I hear way too much focus on him. You already know this man's lying to you. He's acting out. He's keeping secrets. He's hiding things. Why even bother looking? You know, you'll just find more and you can find more. But then what? What happens then? So then you say, oh, I found this and I found that. But that doesn't encourage change. That just hurts you more. So again, I think this is a boundary, which is I mean, while you're lying to me, you know, and you certainly are, you need to sleep somewhere else. Uh, I'm not going to take this anymore. If you don't go to treatment, you know, I may not stay with you. What I don't hear is you setting boundaries for yourself and what will help you feel safe. What I hear is I don't feel safe and I'm really upset. And he keeps doing this stuff and it keeps making me upset and we're just spinning our wheels. Well, I think you're spinning your wheels because you're way too willing to accept the reality of how much this man is still, I assume it's a man, could be a woman, how much this partner is still out there hurting you. And by the way, in your bathroom 
acting out and in your home. What I'm worried about is I flip out. Um, I get triggered. I, um, I'm exhausted. Um, it feels like you're doing more work than he is. And so, you know, this is where betrayed partners groups are good. This is where the betrayed partners, you know, the, you, they are the course. It, it feels to me like there's some backing up you need to do and saying, how can I improve my life and my situation? Because you absolutely know he's acting out. There's like no question. And so how are you going to take care of yourself in these situations? And by the way, I hope you've gotten tested for STDs. I hope that you have made sure to, and to all of you spouses, it's a minimum requirement. You know, we lie, we keep secrets. And also sometimes things don't show up with us that can really hurt you. So, and by the way, you really get it as a partner when you have to go to your doctor and you have to get an STD test when you've been married for 15 years. That That is a really painful reality. Um, but it'll certainly help you with your anger. Tammy, do you want to do one more? Or do you think yes. we, should, we have Let, no, people I, here, so we should do something uh, for that. Yes. Okay. So let's do, uh, I'll put the next one. Um, I'm moving it to answered. Okay. So this is, uh, hang on a second. I got to find two years in recovery, then our second D-Day anniversary. It's at 606. Um, uh, then on our second D-Day anniversary, instead of making good memories, my husband dropped four bombs on me. We went through two full disclosures. He only opened up because I was threatening to leave him because I did not like his D-A-B-O dance. Um, uh, I think they, they always say it Davo, but if I say it wrong, don't forgive me. Um, so what dance, is Davo? Uh, I, even... um, I know what it is. I've got it written down somewhere, but my desk is a mess. That's so, okay. We have to get to um, the question. Anyway, dance any longer. Um, how can I get my husband to tell the truth and stop the staggered disclosures? The last two years have been hell. I understand his addiction, but I don't want to consistently live with a liar. Is there still hope? Mm. Well, the biggest concern here is how can I get my husband to the rest of it, tell the truth and stop? You can't get anyone to do anything unless they decide to. So what you started with is, you know, you're setting your own boundaries um, you know, two disclosures, dropping bombs on your anniversary. Um, how much do you want to take before you're ready to say, I don't want to be so angry and I don't want to be so fearful and I don't want to be lied to. So what am I going to do to take care of me? Because I'll say it again, there is nothing on God's earth you can do to make someone not act out or change. They have to be willing and committed to you do know one thing, you know, as almost all of us addicts do, that if you move one inch away from us, all of a sudden we wake up. Um, so it may be that you're setting your boundaries might create a circumstance where he says, wait, I don't like you're being so distant and I don't like living out of the house and I'm willing to do what it takes to get back. But you don't do that because you want an effect in him or her. You do it because it's setting your own boundaries and keeping you safe. Um, Tammy, I think we should go on to three hours for Monday nights. I, <laughs> at least an hour and a half. There's yeah. like so much, and there's so many good. So I did, I got photos of all the rest and we'll start with those. Um, but, um, I, I, yes, is there still, no, cause I, is there still hope? So here's the deal. You are resilient. Like, I don't blame you for like you, but you've got no control over the him. So your healthy boundaries for you and what do you need to do for you? And I, you, we get a lot of guys that come to treatment because their spouses have had it, you know, and almost so all. They are, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, some almost. Yeah. Some of the drug addicts, so, they come in with yeah. different issues. Yeah. The drug and sex. Anyway. Yes. 
And that's a generalization. We, we do get a few people that actually go, I really do need to get my stuff together. So, um, but, but yeah, the, like, he drops a bomb on you and then, you know, then things get a little bit better or there's more time passes and then he drops a bomb on you. And yeah, that's the pattern. So, but you can get off the roller coaster and it doesn't mean you have to leave the relationship, but you can say, stop, you know, um, you know, I, I'm distancing myself. I'm finding support. There are lots of people that stay in a relationship for financial reasons, for the, for whatever, and they can cohabitate with someone and they, you know, they find support in other ways. So, so whatever works for you, but I hear this not working for you. So there is hope for you, regardless of what he does, but it's you getting support to figure out what it is that you need and how you can move forward. Um, here's one more idea. Dr. Rob does these two hour expert consultations. This is a, this is another opportunity, you know, to get when couples are stuck when they're new into this discovery or when couples are stuck are really good opportunities to work with Dr. Rob. He's very good at identifying the issues and giving guidance for next steps. It's validating for partners. They, lots mm -hmm. of people also feel hope that there actually is a path forward. Sometimes it's out of fear that an addict's going, you know, I, you know, keeps going back to the same behaviors, but some of them actually decide that, yeah, I do. I'm ready to take that step. It's scary. But man, it's so worth it. So I, and I've said this before, but I feel bad for addicts. I feel horrible for partners, but I feel bad for addicts who choose to stay in active addiction and miss out on the meaningful relationships with people that love them and continue to hurt themselves and everyone else too. It, it's a sad thing. Not everybody gets recovery and it, it's tragic, you know, but for those that do, man, it's a good way to live. So, um, so I, there is hope for bad. you. Go ahead. And I feel bad for you because you're losing your mind. You are putting yourself in a situation where you're reading into things, where um, where if someone goes to McDonald's, they go in the bathroom. You know, this, this is not how you want to live. And there is every indication. You know, what I would be doing in your situation is say, I know, I know my partner's acting out. I know they're acting all the time and I know they're lying to me. And that is a given. How, what are you going to do? You know, how are you? There's no reason to get angry because you know what's already going on. You know it. No reason to go searching because you know it. The question is, how do you want to live your life and what makes you feel safe knowing? Because I think we pretty much know that this is still happening. So what do you want to do? But what, what is the point of looking for it? You already know. How are you going to take care of yourself in that set of circumstances? And by the way, we're both exhausted. I don't care how exhausted he is. He's not too exhausted to act out. So he's not, he obviously too exacted just to have a, exhausted to have a meaningful conversation with you. That doesn't sound right to me either. So Tammy, it's always, you know, wonderful to do this. Yeah. Yeah. It, Tiring, like, but. Yeah, no, but please know, like we are such fans of recovery and for the integrity that it brings to people and and like there is healing and it's sad when people get stuck but it, they don't have to be there are so many resources and i'm happy to help point people in in various directions so please reach out you've got my email tammy t-a-m-i at seekingintegrity.com and i'll do my best to help you Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.